What's going on, puny humans? This is KTB, and you're listening to Sunset Flip Radio. Arriba! Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the biggest episode of Sunset Flip Radio in its history. Almost one year we've been doing this podcast, but we can fully say that today is a whole other chapter. Today is the day here on Sunset Flip Radio. You could say it's Hall of Fame worthy. It is Hall of Fame worthy because we are having a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame-er, on the episode, ladies and gentlemen, we were about to interview Tito Santana in about 15 17 minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, welcome back to Sons of Flip Radio. I'm your co-host, Thomas Lisi. Always joined the most handsome man in the room, Alex Drayton, and Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noise. Guys, what's going on on this wonderful day today? It uh, is a wonderful day. That's right. You got day, that, brother. Right. It's a big day. It's Oof. an exciting one. The road to WrestleMania has officially begun. And the go-home shows are and horrible. the go-home <laughs> shows have been... <laughs> But, yeah. you know, it's all good. Ours ain't going to be, though. No, oh, no. No. This show is going to be wonderful. This is going to be the highlight of WrestleMania week. Yeah. For any company. This, this, yeah. this episode is the Raw after WrestleMania worthy. Yeah. Yes. It is. Of Absolutely. an episode. Absolutely. I never would have thought in this existence that we would be interviewing in, in a WWE. Almost Hall a year, Hammer. by the in way. Almost a year, yeah. Almost a year. Calendar year. We were, we were doing the calculations, and this is our 53rd episode. So by the time this podcast reaches one year... We would have fifty-six episodes. Nice. So that means that we have at least released one episode a week for a year, baby. Yeah. And why? Why is that possible? Because just the topic of professional wrestling is so dominant, and so much history, and so much backstory behind it. And think about it. Like in that year, there's still so much that we haven't covered. Exactly. (laughs) And there's still so much to talk about. So much stuff. And it's the longest episode, like episodic uh, television show, you know, and everything Mm -hmm. like that. So we constantly will have something to talk about. And there is a lot of stuff to talk about out there, ladies and gentlemen, because if you haven't seen the news in wrestling the past couple of days, this is huge. This is gigantic, but it seems that we couldn't eight, wait to get on to talk about it. This literally blew my mind. Like, I texted you guys immediately. Yeah. Like, how, I didn't believe you first. And then I, had I saw the seen video. It. Yeah. This news we're talking about, I had seen it the I day seen before. It. I seen it. it. Man, British well, they, Knights. They I haven't announced seen this since it. 1986. <laughs> they announced it April 2nd. Yes, so it's like it could have been a late April, 1st. April Fool's. Yeah, yeah, it could have been a late April, which Fool's is what everybody does on the internet now, yeah. all businesses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but go ahead, go ahead with the news. Uh, it seems that AEW's Chris Jericho is going to be on WWE Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions. Wow. Mind-boggling! This is just the mega powers are <laughs> yeah. just exploding yet again. And I yeah. love the, there is no luster though. What, but what go was ahead. It? Maybe no a minute promo that was there yeah. to announce it. It was great. I, I love the countdown, countdown. The old the, uh, Jericho countdown, which remember exactly. when the Jericho countdown started, everybody thought it was the beginning of the new year, which would have yeah. rolled into 2000. No, it was uh, August sometime yeah. of 99. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you can't forget that Chris Jericho's debut in the WWF at Is the time. iconic. It's uh, yeah. probably it's, one of the yeah. best ones. I yeah. mean, it, it's up there, man. It took a little while for him to catch steam in WWE. That's true. That is absolutely true. Yeah. But, like, I mean, right off the bat against The Rock, you know, yeah. on the microphone, it's he, like that really got him well, going. Well, he did a Rock promo, and then immediately after, he's, like, working with, like, Curtis Hughes. Like, I mean, right. he, so was how do you sec- go- yeah. like, he was a total afterthought. There was no payoff for him and The Rock for a while. And think about how hard it is to get into the WWF at the time when it's yeah. dominated by The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and DX. he was not and a and WWE the- self-made like, guy. Self-made yeah. guy. Yeah. And in the peak of the Attitude Era, where you're coming from the company that the, is the, the WWE's big rival. Yeah. It's crazy how he got into WWE, but... Definitely. 
it obviously made his career what it is. I mean, if you look at his career in Japan, then he then the ECW, yep. and he outlined the cruiserweight, cruiserweight divisions, divisions in WCW, WCW and yep. just yeah. had a wonderful, phenomenal career in WWE. Now he's on AEW, but now he's going back to WWE, possibly. Well, he's not going to go back to WWE. <sighs> well, he's on WWE wrestle, programming, but he's, yeah, you yeah. never know. Listen, you never know. You never a little know. door opened. What are they? What are they been tagging it as? The Forbidden Door. Yeah, right? yeah. I think that's what the hashtag is. Yeah. Being this open reminds and stuff. me 100%. But this is how over he is with Vince, too. Oh, like, him and Stone Cold. He's one of the best Because you see the Sports Illustrated article about how Austin was able to pull it off. Yep. Vince had, like, little involvement other than, he yeah, it's okay. He literally said, okay, asked him, and with a, a thumbs, thumbs up. up emoji. Like, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that that's the kind of question that you say, hey, you want Chinese food? Yeah, sure. Thumbs up emoji. Yeah, sure. But like, it's you like, know. yeah, sure, go ahead, whatever. Yeah, like, get whatever you want. Like, just reading between the lines, it's like, yeah, all right. And it's also because he saw the Undertaker's episode on Broken Skull, and he was like, I can do this. I want to do it. What? Yeah, he did, and that's why, because he sent him, he, uh, Stone Cold said he sent him out a text, and then immediately afterward, they had a... a a whole conversation on the phone. I think it's just going to be a drinking contest. That's oh, all it's going to come down to. Well, they finished the bottle of uh, Jack, so they're going to have to find a new bottle because well, they finished that with... Uh, yeah. So no. we'll see. So, you know, still talking about this situation, which is just so crazy that we're having this conversation. Yeah. What's the what's the end all here? Where, what's Vince's yeah, like, what's game? What's the rub? What, what's the game here? Yeah. What's the vague? Yeah. Yeah. What are, What are we doing? I don't know. I mean, are we going to have a, a dual brand pay-per-view? Is Cody going to go on the show at The some only point? thing is AEW Yeah, fans... he's going to come through the fucking center entrance himself. <laughs> yeah, Jesus breaking Christ. through the wall. Right. Breaking through the wall. Throw, um, the only breaker. thing I can think of is to grab AEW's audience, and yeah. that's basically what you're that's what, that's what he's doing. Yeah, that's the 100% WWE what The WWE audience is already watching. The AEW audience who's like hardcore AEW and like, yeah, and whatever, WWE. Well, this, this, is why, like, this just popped in my head. Maybe they do have some sort of relationship because now with uh, NXT moving to Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday's completely just NXT yeah. to get crazy ratings. And you talk about product placement. Isn't the interview right after WrestleMania? Yeah. Correct. That's like just... how, well, dude, they how did does AEW Undertaker thing after WrestleMania mm-hmm. last year? So it's always a huge show. So this is going to be epic. How does AEW live rent free with WWE after their biggest show of the year? <laughs> it's mind boggling. That, that's know. what I. That's my yeah. point. It's what's the end game here? Yeah. There's there's an overall bigger picture that obviously we don't see, but here I want to try to figure. I it think out. I got it. Vince McMahon snaps and fades away. I got it. Ready? Here we go. He cut off Thanos. That's head. the end game. <laughs> there was this. There was this monumental trade that happened in wrestling, right? Trade. The WWE got the rights to have Chris Jericho on the podcast, and the AEW got. Four. Christian. Yeah. So I mean, oh, God. <laughs> so I mean, like, like, like we, like we're we, not even five minutes in. <laughs> no. We talk about trades, right? Some of the biggest trades ever in professional sports, right? You know, Bo Jackson getting. No, was it? No, it was Anthony or Tony Dorsett yeah, getting traded in football? That's Herschel back in the day. Walker. Herschel Walker. Got Herschel traded. Walker got traded for, for a an sack entire of draft. For an entire team. Yeah. It was an entire draft <laughs> of the Minnesota so, Vikings. Let's bring which that. became Troy Aikman, Michael Irving. Moose Johnston, <laughs> like it was disgusting. Let's bring that to the professional wrestling world. So Good obviously Lord. they traded Jericho's rights Good to do a podcast Lord. for the rights to Christian oh, Cage. Please do that all day, baby. <laughs> do that all day. Oh. He just wanted. This to has been the worst you know trade deal <laughs> possibly ever. Good God, it's not even huge. It's not even huge. But um, we also have some other big news. Huge. That, um, Huge news. That Jeff came across because he has a big part of it. So, Jeff, do you want to explain what? Well, explain what we're doing because this is gigantic. 
Well, as everybody knows, I have my company, Noise Toys, so I'm accustomed to doing a lot of conventions and all that kind of stuff. What's Noise Toys? Noise Toys is my personal business where I like to sell my collectibles. I do comic books, toys, action figures, all kinds of fun stuff. Cards. Uh, butt plugs. Uh, we do a lot of cards. Collectible butt plugs. Yeah. Collectible butt plugs. The uh, big Jeff Noise um, <laughs> fleshlight, I think it is. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no fleshlights, not yet. Glows in the dark, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> um, so basically, I was scrolling around seeing that there was a wrestling show coming up and i figured why doesn't this show have sunset flip radio yes so i decided and to, and, and noise toy we all decided Huge to explosion. get together and we're taking sunset flip radio on the road we are september 18th market icons market. of wrestling in the world famous <laughs> bingo hall of ecw arena Wow. We are doing the Icons of Wrestling uh, September convention. 18th. September, September 18th. 18th from all 10 day, to baby. 4. What's that? 10 to 4. I believe it's like 10 to 4. It's all 10 day. To 4. We got to watch yeah. the wrestling too. There's so, wrestling yeah, later that day. wrestling afterwards. But so far on the show, confirmed, auto confirmed autograph signers are going to be Kane, Layla, Mark Henry, and Big Cass. Mark Henry. So let's just think about oh this in the perspective. Yeah. We are taking this show on the road. Now, by that time, we're going to have... we got so it's much stuff months. going on. Let's just talk about the fact that we got a, a fresh I'm logo. Gonna my, I'm going to bring my baby. Oh, yeah. Bring the baby. we got a fresh logo, ladies and gentlemen. If you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and every other platform you listen to this podcast, we have a brand new logo, which is wonderful. We did Fuego. a little makeover. Yeah. We did a little makeover. We got a makeover. Busy got... the artist. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate yep. it. Like, really hooked Wrestlers us up. Wrestlers change awesome. their gear, so why don't we change, change ours? That's right. You gotta got to go with the times. We got, we got cards coming in. We got... We got a banner, banner coming, coming in. in. We got a lot of stuff coming in. And stickers on the way. By the time that we have this convention that we're going to attend, we're going to be having merch, too. So what Definitely. we're going to do is we're going to be recording there, going on Facebook Live, Instagram Live. You you name it, we're going to be there. So And, Tom, let's put – and, Jeff, let's put this out there. It's something I'm thinking about right now. We have between now and let's say August because we got to get shirts yeah, and yeah. whatever made. Anybody listening to this podcast, any ideas – for a shirt, um, a, a hat, a, a this, a that, whatever kind of merch. Hit us up. Hit us up. I want to see the ideas. Send them in the the Gmail account, sunsetflippodcast at gmail.com. Nice. And let's see your ideas. One, We will pick one idea, and we'll turn that into merch. Absolutely. We have, we have like 30 different logos that we got that we can convert some into merch so we're it's going to be a field day when it comes to that yeah brian again busy the artist hit him up on instagram he really did yeah. his thing there and also um you know since it's going to be a collectible show i'm going to be bringing some of my wrestling items to sell also so i'll have some hasbro some ljns and a lot of mattel elites and everything to that effect as wow. well so it's going to be like half noise toys, half sunset flip radio. Like that'll be the table gimmick, but we're going to have yeah. a blast. You see us come up to us. We're going to be recording the whole time. So you want to get on the show, yeah. you know, roll up and say, Hey, we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing Instagram live, Facebook live. We're going to be recording. Um, and tell us, you listen, tell us what one of your favorite episodes yeah. is. That way we know you're we're real. literally bringing the show on the road. Like we're going to bring everything that we record with. And we're going to be recording episodes from from the convention. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. this is Very awesome. Exciting. This is another. This is part of the breaking news that we had last week, which is our new logo and our event that we're going to be attending. Yep. So, I mean, the sky's the limit. Yeah. You know, man. and in less than five minutes, it's another thing for us. We're going to be do, interviewing a WWE Hall of Famer, Tito Santana. 
two-time Intercontinental Champion, two-time WWF and WWF Boom. Tag Team Champion. Mm. Now, what other podcast, what other wrestling podcast has had this much, like, this big of a name to go on within early. the first year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll like, wait. I'll early. wait. The I'll only wait. exception would be if, like, a wrestler did one. Like, yeah, say, yeah, you know, like, like, uh, like that. That doesn't count. Like, Petey Williams and Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, you know, like, they got their podcast totally different, because they're, which they're all phenomenal people. I, that's a great show but um, you know that doesn't really count because they're all wrestlers and everything mm-hmm. you know yeah. like this is three fans you know one indie schmuck three, you know? three guys from Jersey three wrestling that's nerds from, the, from Monmouth County in Jersey and in, in your childhood bedroom in my childhood bedroom which has which figures New, painted New over Jersey, the wall. first of all, is a breeding ground for where wrestlers have lived, do Dirty live, Jersey. and wherever. Everything from soup to nuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Especially when back in the day when MS, well, Matt's Square Garden was the mecca of wrestling. A yeah. lot of wrestlers probably lived in New Jersey. They, all, they, they lived in Rawway, Woodbridge, Avenel, or they stayed in motels that yeah. were right there. And hell, yeah. down in South Jersey where I trained Monster Factory. Yeah. That generated so many professional wrestlers. Yeah. Bam Bam, King Kong Bundy. <laughs> Um, Big Jeff Noise, you name them, they developed them. <laughs> now <laughs> remember, this is this guys. is the third wrestler we've had in this podcast in less than a year, and by the year that you know, by the year end of this podcast, we're going to have another wrestler, Pitbull Gary Wolf, and then we have Salvador Sincere, and we have Anthony Bennett, and we have Jr. from Less Than Jake, and it's just so so many different uh, kinds of wrestlers and personalities will be on this podcast. That it's, it's just crazy what we've done in a year. It really has been. I mean, you know, we can't thank you, the listener, enough for listening to us and liking our posts and just sticking with the content and really getting what the whole point of this podcast is. Is It's in the eyes of three fans that just want to talk about wrestling and just want to hear what real wrestling fans think. Yeah, That's definitely. It. And like, uh, you know, we also appreciate when anybody goes out and shares our content as well. Exactly. So that way it's in like another set of eyes. So many thank yous. I want to give a shout out to my buddies, uh, Jeff Luke and Heather Luke with the uh uh, parallel fiction podcast because they always share our stuff um you know so thank you for that but there's a lot of people out there that you know you, you're liking on our stuff just give us a little share give us yeah. a little rub and tell us what you like too we mm-hmm. want to know and tell us what you don't we're like, here for the fans because be we're nice fans about it just let us know what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear yeah. or if you want to hear more uh crap you know about Christian, <laughs> or if you want to hear, uh, you know, whatever you want with to hear. the strategic post that says, "Oh, it's a Christian." Remember you, think <laughs> yeah, you just posted I'm, that this morning. I'm in like this one uh, Facebook forum, and I and I it's was all talking about podcast. About, it's all about, about podcasts. So I posted about you know Sunset Flip Radio, and immediately under it, somebody was like, "Oh, I have a Christian podcast," and I was like. That's weird to be like immediately right. after that. They <laughs> right. meant religion, Christian, yeah. not you know. Canadian, well, I mean, you know, it, it, oh, yeah. Canadian rat well, face. Christian. What was our shirt? <laughs> <I guess. laughs> it goes with the shirt. See everything. See how the back catalog always blends into one. Everything always gets brought back on the circle of life. And if you don't yeah. get it, you should because you should be listening. All I gotta say is Django and Lakewood, <laughs> New Jersey. That's all I have to say about that. But um, yeah, do you want to make the call now? Yeah, I yeah. So we are about to make the call to WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana, former two-time Intercontinental Champion, two-time Tag Team Champion. He's had great matches in his career with Greg the Hammer, Magnificent Don Morocco. You name it, he's been with everybody. Macho Man. So we're going to listen to... Listen and pick up the phone, and we're going to take it as it goes. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Tito. How's it going, man? It's Jeff. Good. How are you? Good, good. You're on Sunset Flip Radio. 
Yep. We are ready to go. How's hey. everything going? You all right today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm here. I'm Big Jeff Noise. We also have with hey, us. Hey, Tito. This is uh, Tom. And How Tito. Doing, I'm doing great, Tito. Thank you. Hey, Tito. Thank you for doing the show. This is Alex. Alex? Yes. Jeff, Alex, and Tom. Yep. Yeah. Sunset Flip Radio. Welcome to the podcast. Let's do it. Yes. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know me. I'm personally uh, very excited about this. You and I, we, we've wrestled probably seven or eight years ago now thinking about it, so, which is pro- like wild to think about how long ago that was at uh, Lakewood freaking baseball park outside (laughs) you know uh that was my first encounter with you i want to say how much of a uh, great professional you were that day which i was excited about um you know so with that being said what got you into professional wrestling like growing up like were you a fan watching it on tv or did you do any kind of like uh amateur wrestling growing up no i i come from south texas okay south texas uh did not have uh wrestling in, in schools so I I knew nothing about uh, wrestling uh, the the wrestling that we got was uh, from Joe Blanchard in, in San, out of San Antonio okay and it came on like 11 o'clock at night and, and uh, <laughs> I I was not up that late I was always playing sports so I I was not up that late so I wasn't a professional wrestling fan okay but I went to college I met uh, the first guy I met was uh, Ted DiBiase. We were playing oh, wow. football together. Love the Million wow. Dollar Man. Yeah. The Million Dollar Man, and <laughs> I knew his father had been a professional wrestler. Yes. Uh, and then uh, Tully Blanchard transferred to West Texas State, <laughs> uh, and I met Tully, and I knew that his father was a promoter in San Antonio. But I hadn't talked to Tali about, you know, professional wrestling. Uh, I met Joe Blanchard my junior year, uh, and that's when uh, Tully Blanchard uh, brought up the idea that his father thought that I would be a, uh, a big, big, big profession, big-time professional wrestler. If, awesome. He said, you, he's, he's big, he's tall, he, he's, he's not a good-looking guy. He could have <laughs> a, a great career. But when they when they brought it up to me, I you know, I was doing good in football. I was more interested in football. I had no desire to become a professional wrestler until I went and played with the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and I realized how tough that was. Wow! Uh, I came wow. back and I told Tully, I, I said, uh, I want to play one more year because yeah. I had uh, gone to Canada after I got cut from Kansas City. And I said, and then I want to start uh, training to be a professional wrestler. So, you know, that's the way it went. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. Imagine being like in the alumni association for like that year. Oh, my college, God. And it's like, oh, yeah, we got Tully Blanchard, yeah, Tito Blanchard. Santana, million dollar and man. And the million dollar man. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. So you basically started off playing football and then like those guys got you into wrestling. Did you do any territories before you joined the uh, WWF at the time? Yes, I, I started out. Uh, I started out in, as a matter of fact, I started out in Texas okay. as a referee. Oh, wow. Uh, and I refereed uh, a, a few matches. I was there for about a week before Tully and I, Tully was supposed to start in Florida 
for Eddie Graham, and we drove New Year's Eve. We drove to Tampa, Florida, and we got an apartment. And uh, that's when I started training uh, to become a, a professional wrestler. Uh, you know, uh, I had quite a few people that helped me out. Hero Matsuda, uh, Bob Orton, Barry Orton was oh, a wow. God rest his soul. Barry Orton was, yeah, wow. was also breaking in. His father was working out with him. And Bob Orton, you know, uh, stopped over a few a few days and, and worked out with me and and, uh, and Barry. So that's the way things begun for me. Wow. That's awesome. That's a great start. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you're you're dropping the Orton name, and I mean, Randy Orton is so significant in wrestling right now, and yeah. his and his father, and his and his yeah. grandfather too. He was, he was the first first third generation wrestler, right? I believe so. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Wild. Yeah. We're we're all you know pretty much big uh, Randy Orton guys. Yeah. Guys, so. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so Tito, let me ask you. Well, first of all, um, I've been watching wrestling since 1990. And, you know, you grew up in my household, watch, you know, with me watching wrestling and you in television. So I can't say thank you. I can't say thank you enough for for bringing so many great memories for me as a wrestling fan. Definitely. Um, you know, Strike Force to me was one of my favorite tag teams grew up watching wrestling as a kid. I feel like you and Rick the Model could have gone longer in that program. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like you and Rick the Model should have had a longer tenure as tag team champion and as strike force as a group? Well, I, I do. Uh, when, when they put uh, me and Rick uh, together, they called us strike force. Uh, I felt like we got over with the people. Oh, real, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, oh, yeah, you really did. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. You guys were like the most over tag team in a company of that. Time. I mean, I remember watching when you took the belts off the Hart Foundation and just yeah. the, the pop from the crowd was ridiculous. <laughs> it was crazy. Yes, it was. And, and uh, I mean, we were doing so good. And then uh, we showed up at, at uh, I think we were in San Francisco. We were in California some days. We had a pay-per-view, some kind of a pay-per-view. And, uh, that's when I found out, uh, Rick Martell, we had, Vince had a meeting with me Rick, and Rick Martell and Legions of Doom, uh, uh, was it Legions of, no, not Legions of Doom, uh, uh Demolition? Demolition. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I found out that, uh, Rick had to take some time off. Yeah. Apparently, supposedly his, his wife was sick and he wanted to oh. be by his wife's mm -hmm. side. Gotcha. Uh, that's the only story that I ever heard. Uh, so we dropped the belt that night, and, and Rick, Rick took uh, took about a year off, you know. And, uh, I, I was left, you know, I was left in. Uh, I, I don't, you know, nowhere, you know. I, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I all of a sudden I didn't have anything, and I was just uh, doing singles. And uh, as a matter of fact, I. I, I was a manager uh, for uh, the Warlord and the Barbarian. Yes. You know, a couple of couple of matches, and you know, uh, I I got penalized. You know, yeah. For for Rick for Rick taking a, a year off, and then Rick came back, and he came back, you know, with with a great gimmick, you know, which yeah. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Rick was not a, a great guy in the mic, but when, when he came back uh, with the model, 
he came back with a great gimmick. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that, that was a great gimmick that he had. And you guys had so many great matches. You know, that grudge when he was the model and you, I mean, you guys just went at it. And I remember watching the Royal Rumble and you got brought down to the ring and he's standing in the ring and you guys are just in the middle of the ring going at each other for a couple minutes. Yeah. It, it was really great to bring, you know, to see that grudge unfold in front of the, the eyes of fans. Yeah, it's crazy to think, like, the big payoff was during, like, a Royal Rumble match. Yeah. You know, like, that was the payoff, of, like, of the feud. Which, I mean, it was epic, though, because you guys, like, laid it in on each oh, other. Oh, yeah. I love seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we, I, I felt like, uh, I, I felt that the interest from the fans was uh, as good, if not better, than, than the interest that we had with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Oh yeah, uh, I, I saw that we could have had a great feud that could have gone for a long time, and yeah, uh, you know it didn't, and, and, and I don't understand why, you know, but uh, you know it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, look, you guys both have phenomenal careers. Oh yeah. You know, we yeah. us here, we always consider both of you guys like some of the most underrated talent to ever come through the WWE. We said that on a couple episodes yeah. ago when we were talking about tag teams. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Underrated as a tag team, underrated as individuals. And. And underrated carrying the Intercontinental belt, which oh, is, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, the IC belt was the belt back in the golden era of wrestling. Absolutely. The workhorses had the belt. Yourself, Don Morocco, Mr. Perfect, um, Macho, Macho Man. Man, Greg the Hammer. So, I mean, that belt is so significant in my mind growing up watching wrestling that I feel like the IC belt was more dominant than the heavyweight belt because uh, the heavyweight belt was just so stagnant with the same people. But the IC belt really brought... The workhorse and the yeah. people that can actually, you know, go twenty minutes bell to bell yeah. into wrestling in the eyes of wrestling fans. It was, was just awesome. It was the work rate belt, and it put those guys on the next level. Absolutely, that's how we looked at it. Yeah, like, you know, is that like kind of like the general consensus, like in the back, like you know, when you become intercontinental champion, like what, like what kind of mindset does that put you in? Well, it, it, you know, the first time I became the intercontinental champion, uh, uh, the belt, the IC belt was just beginning to to uh pick up steam to stand out you know uh, don morocco did a great justice yeah. for mm -hmm. this belt absolutely mm -hmm. uh, you know he was i mean he was a heel but he was loved by a lot of you know he was cheered yes. by a lot of fans you know he was a great worker yeah and, and then uh i took that belt uh and you know i became a workhorse too and, and you know i i uh i think i you know i carried the belt pretty good you know uh, yeah definitely yeah, over, over 200 days each uh run that you had it was over 200 days each run that's awesome that's like unheard of and that's a days. long yeah. time for you back then with all your shows you know you didn't really have too many pay-per-views yeah. and you know you have a lot of tape shows mm -hmm. and stuff that was like on nbc and and, and like cable or whatever yep. at the time so and you guys were filming a bunch of you know, TV all at once yeah. and stuff. So that that's 200 days is like a year so that's, today. That's like an eternity. Yeah. Like, back to have that long of a belt. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was, uh, it was a great time, but you know, uh, we were lucky because in that era, no matter who you went up against that night, you know, we had all great workers, you know, in the ring. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you were going to have a good match. Yeah. I mean, you were the first WWF Intercontinental Champion. I mm -hmm. believe, like, that's how it went. Because before, they were WWWF, and then you ended up getting, like, the newer belt, which I always thought was really cool. I always liked that newer belt. Yeah. Like, when you beat Don Morocco and everything like that. 
Um, uh-huh. well, when I, when I beat Morocco, uh, the green, the green, it was the green. green. Yep. Yeah. 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 It was when you beat Greg the Hammer, right? That they turned it and to the, they turned the, the belt. Cage match. Uh, no. When, oh. Yeah. When I beat Greg the Hammer in the cage match in Baltimore, and, and uh, Greg beat up the belt in, uh, in the cage. Uh, really beat it up pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, oh, I got it hanging on my wall yep. for a reason. Um, exactly. I mean, to me, it's the nicest belt in WWF slash E history, in my opinion. Yeah. I have it hung on the wall here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really do. It's awesome. But um, I want to ask you a question, Tito. Now, I watched an interview with Bret Hart, and he always said that when he wrestled uh, Kurt Hedig, Mister Perfect, to him it was like a night off because they worked so well in the ring. So I want to ask you the same question. Who in your wrestling career did you feel like when you wrestled you had the best chemistry with in the ring? Uh, I, you know, of course I love working with, with uh, Kurt Henning also, but me and Mr. Wonderful, uh, we, we had, you know, really fantastic matches. It wasn't a night off because Mr. Wonderful was pretty stiff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he really protected the business and you know he was a hard worker in the ring and you know but we, we always had great matches you know uh, it, so it's Mr. Wonder if anybody asked me who I would want to work a match I always say Mr. Wonderful yeah, it's funny. Actually, I have his WWE Legends figure on my wall, and we all looked at it at the same time when you said <laughs> Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. He was a, he was a huge guy. He, he was, was just that ripped. Dude was shredded. Uh, he was just shredded. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think at the moment before the Warrior and and uh, other guys, I think he had the best body in, in the business. You know. He, yeah. He, wow. Yeah. He did. He was phenomenal shape. And then you look after him. You look at Rick Rude. He was in phenomenal shape. I mean, the Warrior was a big guy too, and Dino Bravo was a huge guy too. And yeah, but like a lot of those guys ended up being like a little like clunky. And yeah. Thing. So hearing you know Tito saying that Mister Wonderful was one of his favorite people to be in a ring with, like that's awesome. Yeah. That says something about Paul Orndorff, like above and beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, which I, that's great because you don't you know not a lot of people bring him up. No, they really and, don't. And that's pretty. They don't bring him up past WrestleMania one. Yeah, I and mean, everybody ignores the fact of you know him in that in main event. event for Looks, yeah. he, he had a great feud with Hulk Hogan, and yeah. he had the match on Saturday Night's main event, the cage match where his feet landed first, and they yeah. try to cover that up. But I mean, <laughs> it's true. But I mean, you know, Orndorff, Orndorff was a great wrestler. I remember watching him when I was a kid. But um, yeah. I mean, Tito, um, you know, this week you got WrestleMania, right? So when we think of WrestleMania, we think of the first WrestleMania ever back at Mad Square Garden. And not many people know that you actually wrestled the first match at WrestleMania against the Executioner. So what was that like going into that match? And what was it like going into the spectacle known as WrestleMania? Well, at the moment, uh, we didn't know how big WrestleMania was going to be. You know, how big the business was going to be. Vince told us, had a meeting uh, before the matches even started. And he said uh, that he invested everything he had. It was a do-or-die do for the business. And yeah. Wow. We knew uh, Vince had gone bankrupt uh, a couple times, you know, uh, as a young man. And his father bailed him out. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow. So, so, wow. Out of a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. So 
and uh, I had the feud with with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and and that feud, you know, was the longest feud in the history of the WWF, yeah. uh, and probably in the history of uh, the professional, you know, the, the WWE or, or any of them. Because they're not going to break that anymore. And we wrestled each other for a year and a half. You know, wow! All wow. Over the country, you know, they didn't have uh, they didn't have uh, the internet that they have now, so we we had the same matches all over the all over the country. So we were we we were selling out arenas without Hulk Hogan being on the card, and that, that was unheard of at the time. Yeah. You know, only Hulk Hogan would set, sell out sell out the big arenas. So you know. All of a sudden, I, I'm in the opening match in WrestleMania <laughs> yeah. and I felt like I had, you know, probably the the, hot, the hottest skill going in, in the WWF. I, I, I was pretty disappointed when I found out I was going to be in the opening match. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, later on, I understood. Uh, they sent me up uh, and put a little bit more fire in the wood or more wood in the fire when, when I uh, made a run in, in uh, Valentine's and uh, JYD's mm-hmm. match. Nice. You know, and that kind of helped us. So again, we, we were the we were the hard workers. And so to put fuel for, for uh, the, the house shows it's, instead of uh, losing, you know, a whole bunch of towns and be a big card at WrestleMania already as it was, you know, they just used WrestleMania to, to put fuel on the fire for, for our, our, our angle. Yeah. Oh, well, when you look at it like that and the fact that you two sold out arenas without Hulk Hogan being on the card, you know, now it... That's an you, accolade in and of itself. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, we all could say that sitting mm-hmm. here. Absolutely. So, it, well, I mean, you look at WrestleMania now, and what do they do? They always start off the show with the best yes. work rate yes. wrestlers. Yep. That's plain and simple. So, yeah. I mean. And Tito, uh, you should be proud of that knowing <laughs> yeah. right now. I mean, that he paved you the pa- way for the guys yep. to start you off the show. You paced it for everybody else yeah. 37 WrestleManias yeah. later. Yeah. Like, you know, like, this mania is going to be Cesaro and Seth Rollins starting it off, and, you know, guys like Tito like set the way for that mm-hmm. now this is something that i thought was really awesome that happened recently um lance storm took to twitter and basically he came out and said growing up um it was you know they were uh jesse the body always used to talk crap about tito santana yeah. so growing up he wasn't a huge fan now looking back lance storm watched all your matches and was like I completely was sleeping on Tito my entire <laughs> life. Now, how does that make you feel knowing like such a large star like that, like Lance Storm, he's one of the great technical wrestlers of all time, you know, looking up to a guy like you, like, how does that make you feel? Well, it, it makes me feel, it makes me feel good, you know, because uh, uh, the, the young guys in there, the new guys, they don't have the opportunity to wrestle every night with somebody who's better than them. Yeah. So, and that's the way I learned. I pretty much every night I wrestled, I wrestled with somebody that was better than me that, that showed me stuff in the ring. So, you know, to see a guy that's a student, you know, and watching somebody else, uh, a few years after I left, I was told that the WWE w- was using uh, a lot of my matches to, to show, you know, the new talent. Oh, wow. Talent. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, which is, which is, that's uh, an honor. You know, an art in <laughs> itself, and you know, it, it, it kind of, 
it kind of makes me feel good, you know. That, that, Absolutely, uh, that yeah. definitely has to make you feel good. A lot of guys, you know, watch my matches to learn how to to learn how to work and, and to learn how to sell. You know, it's it's uh, it makes me feel good. Yeah, definitely. Always the proverbial teacher. That's yeah, that's, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, back no, then, no back pun then intended. And today. Yeah, right. no back then intended. and today. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was, you know, how, uh, you know, when I first met you, I was also a school teacher. So we sitting there like we talked more about that than talking about the match. <laughs> and I always thought that was like, you know, one of the coolest memories for me. So, um, so also when it comes to being a tag team wrestler, your first tag team title reign was with the Polish power I, uh, yeah. Ivan puts. That's another thing that not many people know about either. Yeah, not a yeah. lot. Of, everybody thinks it's like, oh, he's a two-time tag champ. It was with uh, Strike Force both. No, Twice, no. It was with Putski. So, like, how did that tag team come about? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Ivan Putski was way above me. You know, I, I was just getting started in my career. That was in 1979. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, I think that uh, the old man Vince... Uh, took a liking to me and he, he knew that I had a future in the WWF so Ivan Bucky uh, came up to me and he told me that Vince asked him if he might uh, give it up with me and they were going to give us the belts for, for a little while and Ivan said sure well you know the minute that I was teamed up and, and we won the belts it elevated me you know to, to, a, to a superstar in the WWF which brought me, you know, right up all over the all over the country. I, I went to Japan, and I mean, I was a, you know, tag team champion in the WWF. You know, uh, I I meant something, you know, right 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 away because I I had been teamed up and we were the the champions. So uh, you know, Ivan was a strong man. I was a hard I was a worker, so uh, I did most of the selling in the matches, and you know, a, a lot of the, you know. There's a lot of backstabbing in, in, in our business, especially yeah. back then. So a lot of people kind of stir up, you know, some some crap, you know, because I was the one that was selling. Well, I even didn't know how to sell. So. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. like the, to me, that's a perfect dynamic with a tag yeah. team. You got the one, like, jacked guy, and then you got the work rate guy. Yeah, I mean, you see that, you saw that in tag teams and, the you know, back foundation. in the Golden Heart Foundation, you know, Jim the Anvil and Brett, but... It's kind of crazy how you tell that story because you had like the veteran in, in Putski and you had Tito yourself, you know, up and coming. So it's like you kind of still see that in today's wrestling where they yeah. pair a newer wrestler with kind of like a veteran. It was like Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander, you know, yeah. putting those yeah. two guys together. Mm -hmm. But um, now it's funny that you talked about Paul Lerndorf being, you know, stiff, I guess you can say, quote unquote. <laughs> Um, just out of curiosity, like what other guys when you were in the ring with them, like what was it like working with somebody like like the Warlord and Akeem and Big Boss Man, all these like oversized, you know, big guys. What was it like working with them? Well, uh, like whenever I worked with, with guys like that, you know, by by the time that I was working with, with guys like the Warlord, Akeem, and, and big guys, I I had a pretty good grasp the business so uh, I was able to teach those guys how to use their size mm. in the match uh, working with me you know mm -hmm. uh, so uh, but like the warlord I, I kind of let the warlord in the ring like they, they paired me up with him probably for about six months and the warlord was so green I would call the, you know, he, he would 
scared to death to call to call spots in the ring, <laughs> but I would call the spots for him, but I would make him call it back to me. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's how he got started feeling comfortable, call, you know, oh. calling and talking in, in, in the ring. Because, you know, we all learn, you know. We all come in at, at the beginning. This is a hard business to learn. You know, you, you don't go step into the ring and all of a sudden uh, you, you're going to, you're going to have fantastic matches. You got to have, you're only as good as your opponent, you yeah, know. And definitely. If the opponent, your opponent doesn't want to make you look good, he can make you look bad. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, uh, it was an honor. You know, I, I worked with a big guy uh, and, and I put their big stuff over, you know. Yeah. I worked with a little guy and, and, and I, I put their, their wrestling uh, styles over, you know. I worked according to, to my opponent. Yeah, it's like the art of the cell too. You know, I mean, you want to make your you want to make your opponent. I mean, I know I'm not a professional wrestler, but I mean, you know, I think I can say that. You know, you want to make your opponent look strong, right, Jeff? You yeah, know what absolutely. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like when you when you're in a ring, it's 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 a dance, man. It's mm-hmm. a it's Corey like it's absolutely a dance. One person has to work with the other, otherwise, it's gonna look like crap. Mm-hmm. So well, the, the, the old timers, you know, would always tell us if, if you go in there and you have a match and you don't make your opponent look good, and then you beat him, you're, you're, you're not beating anybody. Yeah, it but doesn't help the business. You make, you make your opponent look good, you know, and the people start to believe in him a little bit, and then when you beat him, you beat somebody. Yeah. You know, and that's the psychology of, uh, you know, uh, to me, you know, TV was different. You know, back then TV, you had five minutes, and, yeah. you know, they were in there to, to showcase the star and, and you, you you wouldn't give your opponent too much you just give him a little bit of heat as a, as a baby face just enough for you to make a comeback yeah but you, you know in a regular house show you have to make a match uh and, and 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 make the people believe that there was a contest going on and then when you beat somebody you know it, it meant something yeah, exactly. Like it's funny looking back at how many matches ended in like time limit draws, yeah, or disqualifications. Yep. Like that was the key thing to push the story back. Like you know, in the golden age, and that's why you can keep having the same matches yes. with somebody because you never got to that that finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of, of the limit. Too. Yeah, a lot of yeah. count. You know, so you reach your too. time limit, so that's why these feuds would culminate when they needed to. Yeah, at the most important time. Yeah. You know, with WrestleMania, the birth of WrestleMania yeah. would be that time. Mm-hmm. I personally love that. Like, I love watching those old matches that ended in like you know disqualifications or you know the time limit draws. It's just what's well, the art of telling a story? Yeah, yeah. Like it's something that you don't see anymore. You got that? Like right. they just did uh, the Sheamus and Drew McIntyre match. Now, if that ended in some sort of like instead of having it like a hardcore match, you know, mm-hmm. just do like they're both counted out. I think it would have drew the story better than having them Absolutely. both knock each other out. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it just goes to show you how the business has changed so much. Now, speaking of that, Tito, who are some of the wrestlers that you see now that you think are, you know, that could have survived during your time in uh, wrestling? Like, who are some of the throwbacks that you think are, uh, you know, some of the better talents? You know, I, I have to apologize, but... I can't tell you the last time that I watched them. <laughs> gotcha. That that was going to be one of hey, my questions. Hey, we, we, are, we, are we appreciate we appreciate your honesty on that. Yeah, yeah, that's so. fine. I mean, uh, I I I have watched, 
you know, but uh, I bet you it's been six, seven years since I watched even uh, yeah. Orton in yeah. the ring. But, you know, I, I saw probably even at the time that he was one of the most talented guys, you Definitely. know, but he came from, mm-hmm. from, a, from a wrestling family. So, yeah. He understood you know, the business it, from day one. And I think Cowboy Bob's arm is still broken, by the way. I think, I think, he, I think Cowboy Bob is still wearing the cast somewhere out there. I'm pretty there. sure I've seen him at a signing recently where he still had the cast on. <laughs> you almost have to at this point. Yeah. yeah. Live the gimmick. So, Live the gimmick. So, Tito, I want to ask you a question because I've always wondered this. How, what's it like wrestling in a Royal Rumble match? So, like, as far as, like, as... Or a or, battle, yeah. Yeah, a battle world. Or, or, or like, whatever. do they have all you guys lined up in the back in the exact order, and you're calling spots in the ring? Like, how does that work? Uh, no, uh, uh, a Royal Rumble... If I'm not mistaken, the Royal Rumble is the one where you start off with two wrestlers, right? Yes. And, and then, uh, like, every minute somebody else comes in? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... we uh, we would have the number of when we were going to be going out and who was going to throw who out. So, uh, you know, you'd, you'd be cut, counting. And when it was close to you, you'd go find your opponent. Mm. And, oh, okay. And, and, and you would just work out. Uh, myself, when when there was a big crowd and there was a whole bunch of guys, I would grab somebody and take him to the corner, and I say, "Stay right here. I don't want to get injured by anybody else." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they kind of, you know, you, there's always that scene in the old school Royal Rumbles where there's like three guys holding like one guy on like the turnbuckle, yeah. and they're just like holding each other there. You know what I mean? Like because they don't want to, you know, say I guess save their energy or wait for another spot. But well, there's so much going on. Too. Oh yeah, it's there just is mass chaos. That yeah. like what he's saying, he doesn't want to get hurt by somebody. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know because. Any little thing could happen. Someone could freaking roll your ankle and you don't even like know about it. Yeah. So like right, they're, they're dangerous as hell, backwards, yeah. yeah. So Yeah, yeah but, but it, it, it is an art to you know to, oh, yeah. to, to know and, and usually, you know, uh, usually it was a, a baby face left with a couple of heels, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it would make it interesting. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And they all turned out to be the same, you know. Hulk Hogan was in the <laughs> ring. Hulk Hogan was in with Mr. Perfect or Earthquake, and he hooked up, and it was, you know, start the car, go home, Time big boot, go. throw him over the rope, and it's done. No, but, uh, no, Tito, you've wrestled guys in your career where, you know, like later on in the years and the years, they've had successful careers like The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, and, you know, what was it like wrestling like them at a young time in their wrestling career, yeah, like Shawn Michaels and, and The Undertaker? Well, I, I don't know if you guys know, but I, I beat The Undertaker in, in Barcelona, Spain uh, in 92. Nice. I think it was 90, or 90, 91 or 92. Wow. Uh, and, I mean, you know, young in his career, but he had been around already. You know, he he, uh, he had been, I think, in, in Charlotte and Atlanta. Uh, and, and so had uh, Shawn Michaels, you know. Uh, Shawn Michaels was a fantastic worker already. Uh, so, you know, when when, uh, when Shawn came in, uh, him and Marty, uh, they were around for about a year, and, and they would talk to me, and, you know, they were worried because they're not doing anything with him. And I said, look, if they didn't have any plans for you, uh, you wouldn't be around anymore. I yeah. said, mm. they're, they're waiting for something. You know, they've got plans. Something will come up, and sure enough, all of a sudden, you know, uh, a lot of people started believing in, in Shawn Michaels' work, and 
they said that he was going to be the next uh, next big star. And I think when he beat me, in, uh, was it WrestleMania seven? Yeah, yeah, I believe. Well, so. what when Sean when Sean beat you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it's WrestleMania eight. Maybe WrestleMania eight. Yeah, I think that was a that that really catapulted him, you know, to the top right yeah. away, you know. Also, and you know, a lot of people had put me over, and, and you know, there comes a time when you you have to start doing, you know, uh, the same for other guys. It, it, yeah. uh, we were business people, you know. Nobody liked doing a job in the ring because if you were doing jobs, they mean that they weren't using you that that well. But uh, you know, other people have put me over, and, and you know, when somebody's going to put you over, uh, you, I mean, you don't stop and think how they feel. You know, you, yeah. you just think it's part of the part of the business. You know, but then when it's your turn, you, then you stop and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, but I mean, that's what it goes to show how much of a professional that you are. You know that it's, you know, you got to put certain right. people over. To the just business move comes full circle. Story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Too many people are, you know, hard headed and, you know, they focus inwards instead of outwards, the bigger picture. You, I always felt like you understood the business. So, you know, like, you know, hey, let's move, let's push this guy and then it'll be all right. Now, there was a rumor in 92 that you were going to be champion at the time. Now, I want to know, like, if you, how did that, like, you know, come about? You know, instead they gave it to, like, Bret Hart instead mm -hmm. of you. Um, how did that kind of come about? Because I remember, like, Pat Patterson brought this uh, story up to you. Yeah, uh, uh, well, you know, there was, supposedly, there was several, you know, Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson told me that it was between me and Brett. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 the Million Dollar Man told me that it was between him and Brett. <laughs> and somebody else told me that it was between, the, you know, there was a few of us that, that they, they BS'd us. Uh, but there was a time when, you know, when I was beating everybody. I mean, I beat yeah. The Undertaker in Barcelona, Spain. Yeah. Uh, and Pat Patterson told me that we were going to be going into South America and Central America and Spain. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I was beating, beating everybody, you know, I had been in the business for a while. I knew that something was up, you know, yeah. uh, mm. you know, some good things were, were, were coming. And then uh, all of a sudden, things changed. And they're not going into Central America. They're not going into South America. They're not yeah. going into Mexico. So uh, I became dispensable, you know, mm. and... Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys remember it, but eventually they went into Canada and and, and yeah, yep. I mean when Brett when Brett hit hard, I mean Brett was Brett was never as high as I was in the, in, no. in the no. you know he climbed later. So when when he became the world champion, I mean the 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 the, the houses went down, and, yeah. and it took Brett a long time to get over. Yeah. But the guy is a great worker, and eventually he got over, you know, the the, the Canadian and the American thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I could not understand uh, when I came in to do the commentating, uh, you know, the, Brett was on fire, and, 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 and neither was, not, not only was Brett, but, you know, the whole the whole Hart Foundation, the, the whole Hart, you mm -hmm. know, the whole family, they, they were on fire. And, and for them to 
I was right there at, at ringside doing the commentating when uh, the screw job happened. Uh, I could not believe it. I, I could not understand why when the guy, it took him forever to get over it, then he got over it, and then they get rid of him. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't understand that. And then, I mean, put, he like, then he put, like, Bob Backlit as champion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Diesel was champion, and that's, like, when the ratings was that, 93, like, completely 94? dropped. 94, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the like what he's saying, like the ratings completely dropped at that time. I personally would have loved to have seen a Tito Santana run as WWF champion. You should have been world champion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I it would have bridged two different generations. Absolutely. And you know, and what to what Tito's point was is it would have been t- you know yeah. he gets it and get gets that championship and then to yeah. pass it along to somebody else up and coming. Yeah, and go through that go that way you yeah. know i mean as opposed they, to the way it ended up if they did that tour of mexico and central america and everything like that it would have brought in like substantially more fans because mm-hmm. lucha libre was over, always like very popular down there so now, that could have been a nice like gap to bridge instead of waiting for guys like Rey mysterio to come over you know they could have had like 10 years earlier more lucha libre now tito why did they just put the kibosh on that tour why did they end up doing something else is there a particular reason? I, I, or? I, I think when I went to, to Mexico to train to be at El Menador, mm. uh, uh, it was so difficult to, to, to do anything, any business, like getting the, getting the, the, the stadium, mm. uh, getting money out of Mexico. Uh, and, then, and, then, mm. and then the value of the peso was, was so, so low. Uh, I, I just... I think uh, Vince started seeing that the dollar uh, sign didn't make sense. That the money wasn't, good, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was in Mexico it was thirty six pesos to a dollar. I think it didn't start. It didn't make sense, and, and, and it wasn't going to be that easy to get money out of Mexico. Yeah. So there was gonna, there was going to have to be you know payoffs. Uh, People had to get paid out, you know, under the table. You know, you had to pay yeah. off everybody. So uh, I think that played a big, uh, big part of, uh, you know, the, 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 the change of uh, the, the way they were going to go. Wow. The biz- yeah, that could... complete business transaction. Yeah, yeah, you know? that makes a lot of sense too. Because when you go back and look at like the stories of like uh, Carlos Colon and everything, like you know, kind of like In running Puerto the Rico, territories, yeah. and you know, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, so. Here's a question that I have that I was always wondering. What was the beef with you and Jesse the Body Venture? Uh. <laughs> Why did he always purposely look to talk crap about you for like no oh, reason? Not even, like, not even during like your matches. Like he would always bring up stuff. What was the beef there? Well, there, there was no beef. Uh, Jesse the Body was over so big uh. that the more he put me down, the more he built you up yeah me, the, 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 the more he helped me the more over uh, you were yeah he yeah, was putting you Jesse, over Jesse had been asked uh, anybody if he had a choice to wrestle anybody uh, he's done several interviews where he always says Tito Santana I mean we had some matches you know Jesse loved working with me because I would let him do his stuff we, we would have a match and we wouldn't even uh, lock up for 10 minutes and the people were ready to kill him. He was a great uh, mental heel, you know, uh, yeah. mess with the, with the fan. And, you know, 
a lot of heels don't understand. A lot of heels would do a lot of the stuff right in front of the referee. Well, uh, Jesse was always so sneaky. He, he always made sure <laughs> that the referee didn't see what he was doing. But, you know, a, a simple uh, uh, punch on, on, the, on, on the ribs, you know. Yeah. We would lock up. He'd lift up my arm. The referee would be on the other side. He'd give me a shot on the, on the ribs. Uh, and, and he'd work the punch, you know, the fist, you know, for, for five minutes before we locked up again. Uh, and, but the referee never seen saw him, you know, and, and he was great at that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love how he used to put you over all the time too when he was commentating. Like in the early WrestleManias, you know, WrestleMania three, I remember, and just him just calling you Chico, but at the same time putting you over in in uh, at while he was commentating. That was awesome to hear too. My dad always used to like talk about that. He was like, I, yeah. I hate Jesse the body, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Because you, you were my dad's favorite wrestler, you know? So. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I didn't, like, we were so busy, uh, we weren't watching, you know, we recorded the three, three weeks of TV and, and yeah. then we go on the road. So, you know, we, oh, wow. we weren't the, we were watching wrestling. We were, we were traveling. One day I happened to be in the town already when we spent the night, and I, I got to see Jesse commentating and calling me Chico. Because <laughs> whenever I would get to the arena, uh, the fans uh, would, would line up, and there would be more and more lining up, and they'd be calling, "Hey, Chico!" <laughs> <laughs> it would piss me off, you know. I said, "Man, these people are, are being, uh, you know, racist." You know, right. I, I didn't, you know, I, I really didn't like it. And then when I saw that, I said, "Oh." So here's the other question that I have too. Your whole career, you were a face. Now, how did that come about? Was that your decision or was it Vince's decision? Did you ever want to like switch and go heel or did you just always think like sticking with face would be best for your career? No, I, uh, when, when me and Rick Martel split up, I think a little while ago I told you that, you know, I believe that, you know, Rick was gone for a year. You know, yeah. Rick was not a good interview guy, but he came back with a model. I mean, she came back. He was ready. So I know that there had been a plan for that model for, for many, many months. Yeah. But before they came in, when uh, they, told, they, they kept me in the dark, Yeah. Uh, I would call Rick and Rick would, you know, Give me the, so Rick was also working me. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So they wouldn't tell me. And I, I told Vince, I said, Vince, you know, when Rick comes back, can I, you know, can I be the shield? And he said, no, no, you know, we got, we still have, you know, a few things that I want to do with you as a baby face. You know, no, Rick's going to be the shield. So, you know, I tried, but it, it didn't happen. Because I, I figured, I, I saw a lot of guys you know, including Rick, and I, I saw some guys that were were, were uh, baby faces that turned heels and, and always did a good job. Well, I, I had been listening to the heels. I, I, I wouldn't I, I would know what to do as a heel because, I mean, I, uh, when I was working with young uh, heels, I was the one calling the match as a baby face. So mm -hmm. I, I knew the psychology of the match and I figured I was a good enough worker. I said, you know, that I would compare myself to a lot of guys who I considered were not good workers and ended up being uh, great skills, uh, making the conversion. And 
I said, if they can do it, I, I'm pretty sure that, I, you know, that I'll, I'll be able to do it also. Because uh, the heel seemed to be the one that had the most fun in the ring. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they controlled the fans. They, they controlled the match. They right. called the match. And I, I figured, you know, I knew the psychology of, of, of calling a, a, a match. Because, you know, I had listened to, I mean, I, I worked with all the great heels, you know. Yeah. Uh, Flair, uh, 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 got, uh, Macho, well, Macho yeah, Man, yeah, Macho Man, uh, Randy Savage, uh, Rick Rude, uh, Kurt Henning was a, was a great heel, Mr. Perfect. When you when you say uh, that, that's just crazy. I mean, the resume. you know, like we all like, just looked at each other. We're just like, Damn. I'm getting memory. Just like the fact that you worked at Macho Man, Randy Savage, you're ravishing Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect and Rick Flair. It's and you're talking about calling matches with these guys. It's it's just crazy to, to, to think about. Yeah. Yeah, and like and when you called these matches, like did you ever have like times in the back where you would just call spots like you planned stuff or was everything strictly only in the ring that you called? Well, well the only thing was the only thing that we called back then, uh, other than Macho Man, because Macho Man when when Macho Man came in, he, he used to write like three pages of uh, the man. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. And, uh, and then he he like he would memorize it and, and if he would forget, you know, he had a hard time bringing it, to, bringing yeah. it together. I helped him out a lot, you know. That was always the rumor. He learned, he learned a lot, you know, himself. You know, it became one of the best heels around here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I forgot the question. Uh, <laughs> were, no, were you calling yeah. in a ring or? You said there would only be certain yeah, times, yeah. Okay, uh, the, we would only end up with the finish. Oh, okay. And, and, you know, the psychology, our psychology was always pretty simple, you know. Uh, the baby face got wrestled the heel, the heel has to cheat, the baby face makes a comeback, uh, and then you go home. Start the, the car, go home. Gonna be. <laughs> it. So it was very simple, you know. Uh, it was like a book, you know, telling a story, and we would tell a story. Uh, you could uh, add a few things, but it's still, the beginning, you know, I, I learned the business, they, they said the baby face never throws the first punch. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's always the heel that throws the first punch. You can throw four arms, you can, you know, to the head or whatever, but, you know, the baby, you know, the baby face, you, you don't, you don't yeah. start punching until the heel breaks the rule and it gets you off. And, yeah. It's like you're taking you know, your shirt off before the match and get attacked. The, the hell. Yeah. <laughs> loose. But, I, you know, I will say. It's pretty simple. Yeah. I will say, I always judge wrestling by the way that someone throws a punch. Yeah, it's, yeah. you're, a, pun, like, you're a punch analyst that's here on Sunset of like Radio. One of, that's one of our <laughs> things that we do here. Yeah. Your punches were like chef's kiss. Like, your punches, they always came at the right time, mm -hmm. and you always laid them in, and it was perfect. So I will definitely put you over for having some fantastic punches in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well... I didn't try to lay a bit. I didn't always lay a bit, but once in a while I would. They always look good <laughs> yeah. to me. They always, they look, always great. look good. Yeah. So, so but, Tito, uh, I, 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 I could throw a punch to the nose with my right or my left, you know, <laughs> and, and not not worry about you know breaking anybody's nose. But yeah, you know, it's work punches. Punch, uh, throwing a punch when, when early in my career, uh, that was a, the hardest thing to learn was to throw a punch. I mean, I, I would put a cup uh, a cup off the ceiling and practice. Uh, I would, uh, you know, do a whole bunch of stuff to practice. And, you know, after a while, I realized uh, 
there's a certain amount of fear. I mean, uh, working with Harley Race. I, I remember oh. the first time I worked with Harley Race. Well, so another name. Just dialing up these names. Him oh, he was a mean-looking guy. He could probably eat me up and shoot me out. <laughs> uh, uh, spit me out. Uh, and I was in a, in, a, in, a, in a battle royal with Harley Race. And he grabbed me and he says, come here, kids. So he grabbed me and took me to the corner. He says, you're going to learn how to throw a punch. Oh, <laughs> I got Hey, uh, uh, he, he says, okay. So I started throwing punches to his forehead. And he said, uh, lay it in, you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is Harley Racer talking <laughs> this about. Is, this is course. King Harley Race we're talking about. You know, once you get the fear away from, from really potatoing somebody, yeah. you know, uh, that's... To me, that's a victory, and, and that's that's when my yeah. I started feeling really comfortable with, with throwing punches. That's awesome. Yeah, that wow. was like uh, you got to learn. You got to learn from the best. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that was my situation. Like when I was in a ring with Rikishi. He was the first one to tell me, like, look, you better lay this in. Yeah. Because, like, if I didn't lay it in with him, he was going to kick my ass. And that was everybody's story, like, you know, going into it. And, you know, we had a good match. So, luckily, I didn't potato him. And I'm still here today. So, we're <laughs> oh. so, so Tito, I got to ask you. Every I've seen a lot of interviews, and this question gets brought up a lot. Do you have any good Andre the Giant or Haku Ooh. stories in uh, in your career? Under the giant stories, yeah, yeah, or or Haku. Uh, well, I, 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 under the giant was the eighth wonder of the world. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I went to Hawaii. Uh, I was in a tour with Andre and Dusty and Hulk, and uh, there was a uh, quite a few guys. And me and Andre stopped in Hawaii on the way back because my wife was living in Hawaii, so. I stopped there uh, to see her for eight days. We, we were just dating at the time. So we went out everywhere with Andre, and everywhere we went, we went out for free. <laughs> I remember one time uh, Andre uh, calling, uh, somebody called for a cab for Andre, and they, they sent a limousine. And Andre uh, told me and my wife to go in the back, and he said in the front, and the Japanese driver looks at Andre, and you know when Andre got in, the car just tilted to to Andre. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and the Japanese guy said, "No, no, flat tire, flat tire, get out, get out." Oh my. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He used to. I wow. heard. I heard he used to call everybody boss. And I watched the documentary, and it's either like he either liked you and he played cards with you, or he really hated you in the ring and would, you know, slap you or step on you. I know he hated the Macho Man a lot. I I heard about because he, he used to put too much baby oil on when he wrestled. Apparently, but um, he hated, he hated the Macho Man. He hated uh, he, he hated a uh, Big John Stud. Yeah, oh. yeah, he hated Stud. Mm-hmm. So um, the other question I have was the uh, where did the El Matador gimmick come from? Was that who came up with that idea for? Because you were just wrestling under the name Tito Santana for like about twenty years, and then out of nowhere they just changed your gimmick. Now whose idea was that? Well, it, it was it was Vince McMahon, but the, I think that that's all uh, in the package of when we were go. They were planning on going to Mexico and South America and Central okay. America. Mm-hmm. So it goes oh, back that to that. Like, so it goes back to that. Creating the gimmick for that. So they they they, uh, they came up with 
came up with that gimmick, you know, and, you know, supposedly I was going to get another good run, so that's why I thought, you know, they told me, he told me, uh, you have one more good run. I would get upset and i say, Vince, you know, you're not doing, I have so much to offer the company, you're not yeah. doing, uh, you're not using me to the best of my ability. And he says, I got one more run with you, you know, before I'm done with you. And, uh, you know, so I figured, you know, if it was usually, if it was his idea, he would always usually go with it because he always wanted to make sure that his ideas were, were, were successful. So I felt good about it. And, and it, it was supposed to go. I was supposed to come out. I don't know if you guys remember when I started doing vignettes uh, before I started making back from El Matador. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was supposed to come out with a big angle with a million dollar man. Yes. Yep. I yes. remember that. And, and they totally, they totally just dissolved that. Ugh. The starting and stopping of, of angles and, and ugh. That had to be frustrating. It was frustrating for us to watch because yeah. we would be ready for it. And then, you know, you having to live it had to be 10 times worse because you're getting geared up. This is what you're going to do. And then they just all of a sudden they, they can't, tell you. They cancel it. They can't. Like yeah. Yeah, because there was some pretty good soap operas back there that you could follow, and, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what the fans did, you know. They they, they, they grabbed those, those gimmicks, those angles. And we really, like, yeah, we lived and died by him. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, for us, it, it meant the world. Like yeah. we, we, you lived the gimmick. We loved the gimmick. Yeah, you know. And and right. that and and my question to you is, backstage at that time during the first few WrestleManias and stuff, what was that locker room like? Um, you know, from everybody who was there. Just what was that? Com- was it camaraderie where you guys kind of separated? It was like this group and that group, or were you guys all? all one and just there to do what you had to do like how how was it being back in the back with everybody well, it, it, it was all camaraderie but uh, back then uh because there was a lot of uh non-wrestlers in, involved mm. they, they usually kept the the heels and the baby faces separated wow, but okay. it, it always was a good atmosphere because you know we know we know that we were going to get a decent payday. We all knew we were going to get screwed somewhat. <laughs> <We'll pay off>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was still a big show. Right we were yeah. going to get a good payday. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we were all professionals. I mean, back then, uh, like I said earlier, everybody was such a good worker. We would all go out there and, and with the idea of, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make it pretty difficult for the next match to follow me. Yeah. You know, sort of one upsmanship. And and if you went out in a good good spot, you know, uh, if you didn't know how to work, like Hogan uh, used to have to be on early, you know, because if he would come on last, a lot of times, you know, his matches were not that great. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't follow, uh, uh, you know, especially if you had to follow a tech match. Yeah. That's how we all feel. Don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and, and Tito, I gotta, I gotta ask you this because it's, it was very frustrating. I mean, back in the day I was a Hulk Hogan fan. I was, you know, like six, seven years old, you know, it is what it is. But now I'm looking at, you look at wrestlers like yourself and Greg the Hammer and Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Ted DiBiase, all these great workers. And you wrestled in a time where it was... The, the WWF champion was mostly Hulk Hogan, 
It was Ultimate Warrior. It was Sergeant Slaughter for a brief time. Macho Man. Macho Man. Was that ever frustrating to you, knowing like that knowing that you were a great worker, you and Ted and Rick and Mr. Perfect, was that frustrating to all you guys back then, never getting that chance to carry the WWF title? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't think. Uh, I know that I didn't think that much about you know the, 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 the world title. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know that that they were considering me to be the world champion, but they were because, uh, you know, I've heard several people talk about it that were in the office. Uh, we didn't think about it. We, we, we just, uh, we were happy to be in, in, in good positions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we know that Hulk Hogan, you know, was the chosen one. Yeah. You knew uh, your place. Vince yeah. McMahon made it work, you know, regardless of whether he was a great worker or not. Uh, it turned out that, you know, Hogan did end up being... Uh, you know, he was limited, but he, he could work the crowd, you know, and, and uh, the guy was over. I mean, how, how can you, you know, how can you deny the fact that the guy was over, you know? Uh, Vince McMahon got the Ultimate Warrior over. The Ultimate Warrior. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay. <laughs> See that? Okay. Oh, he's going there. Uh -oh. I got to ask you, Now. Do you, uh, I, I can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this question because I, I know the, the question, answer. Was he a good worker, Tito? In your opinion, was who a good worker? The ultimate warrior. The ultimate warrior. Was he a good worker? Yes. No, he, he didn't have a clue. I Thank mean, God. <laughs> Thank God you said that. He was stiff. I mean, the only one that, that could take him was uh, Haku. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Everybody, everybody would complain on, on how stiff it was. Uh, Haku just complain he just he just worked with him uh, <laughs> yeah everybody it, did their best to, to, to have a match with him it, it was hard to have a match with the guy yeah yeah if someone gets out of line just feed him a haku yeah <laughs> i feel like that's how it should have been <laughs> <laughs> that's right. you see there were certain people though in the wwf at the time that like the belt made them they didn't make the belt so mm -hmm. you see guys like hogan you see guys like warrior they needed the belt to get over Mm -hmm. Tito didn't need that. No. So that's how it comes down to. Perfect didn't need that. Rude didn't need that. Ted DiBiase. That's why you could tell the different type of wrestler of these guys and a different type of mentality. Mm -hmm. Because here's Tito. He's talking to, you know, three fans right now. Hulk Hogan, what the, he ain't going to freaking, you know, sit around and do that. He's too much of a damn ego. Yeah, I mean, even I, you know, Hulk and I started at the same time in 1977. And uh, I, I saw the change yeah. in him, you know? But, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, you guys got to understand, you know, that guy, he has no privacy, you know? He's yeah. recognized yeah. more than anybody oh, yeah, absolutely. in the world. Yeah. And, and he had he had it all, yeah. making money coming out of the yin year. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how is it possible that you're not going to change? He changed, you know? He, yeah. he became Hulk Hogan. I mean, so, he was a god. You yeah. Know? I mean, like, everybody he, considered, he, yeah. you know. He was, a, he was like, you know, the top celebrity in, like, mm -hmm. you know, 85, 86, 80, you know, through yeah. early 90s. And, Tito, I have a question yeah, for him. There was other champions, but, you know, not many that, left, that, that lasted on top like Hulk. You know, yeah. he, was, he was for years and years and years on top. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, you know, today, uh, of, of the people who are still with us from, from your era, who do you still keep in touch with? If anybody, uh, well, 
my, my, to be honest with you, my best my best friend was uh, uh, Paul Orndorff. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think he's all there anymore. I don't know yeah. if you guys have seen him. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately. You yeah. Know, he's changed his phone number. He doesn't answer his phone. Yeah. And, you know, he. I feel sorry for him. Yeah. Uh, so, other than guys that, that, that are doing an appearance when, when I see them, uh, you know, I, 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 I've got my own life now. I'm, I'm a school teacher. And yeah. I'm not around the business as much as I used to be. I, I, I do make uh, uh, appearances from time to time, but, you know, I'm not out there. But when I see the guys, it's always nice to, to have a reunion. Like, yeah. Whenever we have uh, an, an appearance where we're all signing autographs, we take a break and we go say hi to each other. But, you know, there's uh, everybody's so busy. Yeah, you know, a lot yeah. of the guys are still making a, a living strictly with wrestling. So, yeah, there's a lot of them are still traveling. You know, the million dollar men, I see he's all over the place. You know? Oh, everywhere. And, yeah, still. him and Brutus and Greg the Hammer too. Yeah. There are a lot of places. But um, but I mean, I I say like all the power to you for you know being able to transition from wrestling yes. to like school mm-hmm. teacher. Like that is definitely like. That's above and beyond, you know. Like that is such like a commendable thing. Well, he talked about it earlier that he yeah. went from teaching and now teaching now. No, so yeah, exactly. Now. So yeah. it just goes full circle. But uh, yeah. but Tito, listen, we we can't appreciate you enough coming on Sons of Flip Radio and talking about your wrestling career, some stuff that we didn't even know about, and you know we can't say thank you enough. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. It really means a lot to us. Yes. Well. Uh... I, I want to thank you for having me here, and I think that you guys, uh, you guys are very knowledgeable and we're very professional. And I that just made my day. I hope they enjoy this interview because uh, uh, Sunset Podcast is uh, number one. Awesome. That's thank it. you, and and, right. and can you hit us with the Ariba before you leave? Right, yes. <laughs> Tito, thank you thank so you, much. Tito. Thank you so much, Tito. We appreciate it. Welcome, guys. Take care of yourself. And be safe. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Mama has lived. That. (laughs) The fact that he called this podcast knowledgeable. That just made That's that that made the whole thing for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I that, knew we were in hacks, but you know, yeah, now it's I mean, you know, we don't we don't suck, which is good. <laughs> Remember how we like put everybody over? Yeah, he just put us over. <laughs> he just put us over. Um, and he hit us with the Ariba. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, that was WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana. Wow. Um, if you didn't love that, check your pulse. Yeah, he I mean, is. Come on. Ve- you probably have COVID because you couldn't taste it. Yeah, he was very real. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Down to earth guy. He talked a lot of stuff that we like. We really didn't know about, yeah. which was really like fascinating, and it was cool that he gave us a little background. You know, he didn't. I, like... I appreciate when he was talking. When you asked that question about that yeah. rumor of him possibly yeah, being champion, yeah, he went in pretty and deep going on it, about yeah. you know basically money talks, and that's why that they kind of canceled that little run down in Central America, South America, and yeah. stuff. So, and I liked how you brought up if you talked to anybody today because that's kind of a question that kind of gets lost you know yeah, what i mean it does and he definitely <clears throat> answered that question because yeah, he did he he i had a feeling he was going to say that and yeah. that was the answer i never knew that him and mr wonderful were were that yeah, close. So close. They were that close that was really awesome yeah so and i didn't know he like you look back and like you watch mr wonderful's like career and everything like that he really did have an awesome career but you don't think about how good of a you don't you don't think about was. him past uh yeah. wrestlemania one and that yeah. was it and i yeah. said that yeah. And he had the little feud with Hogan, and he kind of faded away a little bit. Yeah, but well, he was also at the tail end of his career he when was, that yeah. started. So yeah. 
just completely different trajectories yeah. going in different places. And thank you for everyone that watched us on Instagram Live. Christine did a great job. And Good Facebook job. Live also. Were there a lot of comments? You could, you could say something. Yeah, there were, there were a couple. There, we had a couple. Go ahead. Talk into the microphone. Uh, nope. Cut her microphone. Cut her <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Good comments. All good. Why would they be amazed? We're the top wrestling <laughs> podcast in the world. We're the number one podcast for the art and sport of professional wrestling. Number That's one. what we are. That is it. Everyone else is just JV. Mm. Number two in your programs, number one in your hearts. Yeah. And, and remember, you can just not find this episode, but our entire catalog anywhere you get your podcast Am Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. We got a lot of stuff coming out. Check out. Our, uh, obviously, you've seen our new logo, but we're dropping new business cards and our banner coming soon. Remember, on September, September 18th, September at, 18th. The, at the ECW Arena, the pinnacle of wrestling. It's a Saturday. <laughs> Take off now. Take off Take now. Take off now. you got plenty of notice. And we're guess what? Have, or just call out. We're going to have a lot of merchandise, and also I'm going to be there slinging toys. And guess what? Maybe you can be on your, an episode of Sons of Flip Radio. That's you it. never know. That's yeah. it. But send in your uh, merch ideas. I want to yeah. see what you guys exactly. are thinking of. Just if, think about it. If you're on our podcast, you were just on a podcast with Tito Santana. Yeah. All right, that, so, to put you over. Yeah, so make sure you make sure you our check podcast out. podcast is your podcast. You got to check us out in Philadelphia the, at the old ECW Arena on September 18th because come Go down to Tony Luke's afterwards. Yes, that's come the, down, say hi to <laughs> us, buy some stuff off of us, and you can be on an episode of Sunset Flip Radio. Isn't that ooh, a great thing? Ooh. But in the meantime, uh, you can also email us at sunsetflippodcast at gmail.com yeah. and don't forget everybody also it is the best week mm -hmm. to be a wrestling fan yes. so enjoy all the content that's coming out right now yes yeah. there's going to be several podcasts doing their things there's going to be local independent shows please check out some of those as well yeah any okay? show those guys are busting their ass anybody who's this. down in florida or whatever for the yeah. events and we were talking about this on the podcast last week let us know. Take pictures. Send it yeah, to please. our Facebook, our, our Instagram. We mm -hmm. want to see what you're at and what shows. Yeah. We want to put those guys over, too. Yeah, exactly. Tag us you got to think the past anything. year, the past year, there was nothing. Yeah. Now, at least there's like, you know, 30% capacity and or whatever. And if you're like that, listening to us and you're going to Mania this year, I got to hear from you. Tom wants to hear from you. Jeff oh, yeah. needs to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta hear I got to hear what, what, what the scoop is, what it's like. I, I got to see pics. Yeah, and tag no us. No pics yeah. or it didn't happen. <laughs> tag us on Facebook and Instagram. Remember, you can always find us on Instagram at Sense of Flip Radio, Facebook at Sense of Flip Radio. This is we've only just begun yep. with we've this interview. Um, it's gonna and the week of WrestleMania tonight kicks off the Hall of Fame ceremony on Peacock tomorrow and Thursday. Okay. It's okay. a two day NXT takeover, which is going to be tremendous. And then, the, and then the big one, Saturday and Sunday, WrestleMania. Maybe we'll come to you guys with a special uh, Facebook Live, Instagram Live of our, our predictions because now yeah, that the card is yeah, that's a good super idea. set, yeah. let's, let's hit them yeah. with something. Well, we did that last Friday. We did Sunset, uh, Sunset Flip Fridays. Live. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that'd be fun. Sunset Foot Fridays on Instagram Live. We did it on a whim last week, and yep. now it's uh, we should definitely do that. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. It's a big so, week. We got to hit them week. with something. So, so next week, we'll be coming back to you with our – Reactions after of WrestleMania reaction after Mania reactions, and then the week after that, we were going to be our special ECW episode. And if we, and Gary if, Wolf, and Oof. if we come back to you Here's next Wolf. Tuesday, we'll have the 
um, the Raw After Mania to yes. talk about. Oh my and God. I believe NXT is that night. It is. Yeah. For the so first much Tuesday night show. On. A whole lot of stuff going yeah. on. Me personally, I'm stoked for the Pitbull episode because A, he was my trainer. Like Mr. Wait, like Mr. Singer Pitbull? Mr. Like 305? Mr. Mr. Worldwide? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Mr. 305's coming in here? Pitbull Gary Wolf. Oh, yes, Pitbull Mr. Gary Wolf. More important Pitbull, if you ask me. Yeah. All right. So he was my personal wrestling trainer, and also I am a diehard ECW This guy, is going to be like. So that's going to be an awesome. Jeff's going to come in with like barbed wire wrapped around his body. More than likely. <laughs> but barbed listen, wire condom. Yeah, but listen. Ouch. But listen. In the meantime, in the meantime, I'm your co-host Thomas Lisi. Always joined the most handsome man in the room, Alex Drayton, and, and Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noise. Wonderful. Make sure you watch WrestleMania this week, and make sure you listen to our reaction episode next week. And as always, peace, love, and wrestling, and take care. Later. Peace. Yerp.